Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Good choice coming back in here by Jeff. Welcome to Hour 2 of the Saturday Show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope you all are doing great out there wherever you might be on this somewhat cool and somewhat rainy Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it's football weather. Yes, I just barely put my jacket on, but that's partially due to the, just the fact that this this studio is always cold. <laughs> the studio does like to, it's frigid, there's no doubt about that. I, I, it's I, beautiful. <laughs> you like the temperature in here? Oh, I love the cold. Kay. Cold all day long. Okay, Jeff, I like the cold. You need to come sit in here for an hour or two. This it's is full-on refrigeration. It's a legit ice box in here. Gladly. Okay. I'm from New Hampshire. I, I know. I know. I know where you're from. I know but, real cold. Uh, like, <laughs> I'm not sure, dude. It, I, I lived in Canada for a few years. This is cold. Wow. This is cold. It's not that cold, but this is cold. <laughs> it's it's uncomfortable. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Here. It's it's. It's below the the and it's the been normal. It's, it's something we've been working on for months. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's never getting fixed. Well, it keeps my drinks chilled. That's a good point. That's a let very me good point. let me aspire to be a talent just to sit in studio, just oh, so that I can survive. You'll be on this side of <laughs> soon enough. Trust me. All right. Anyways, uh, so we actually had a request coming from our good friend True Brew Coog, Devin out there, a longtime friend of mine. He wanted a scoreboard update for what's going on in college football. So let's get some of those scores real quick. Oklahoma, number three ranked, actually leads by seven over Nebraska with a minute fifty-two to go in the game. The Sooners do have the ball, though, so it looks like they're looking to close that out. Obviously, the Scott Frost era there in Lincoln is off to a... Well, they're 2-1, but it's not off to the greatest start. Yeah, it's pretty rocky. Yeah. They are not fond of him, especially uh, after you know the technical file we gave him a couple of weeks good, ago. Good point. Uh, Texas A&M shuts out New Mexico uh, 34 to nothing. That game has gone final. we got a game that's absolutely off the rails right now involving number 8 Cincinnati and Indiana. It's into the third quarter. Indiana holds a one-point lead, 24-23. to Cincinnati did miss a PAT on their 99-yard touchdown return, and that obviously will loom large potentially down the stretch here so 15 minutes to go if you're looking for that one it's on ESPN other scores of note uh, West Virginia continues to lead number 15 Virginia Tech 27 to 14 uh, you mentioned this as we kicked off the show Lundy Coastal Carolina in a dogfight against Buffalo 211 to go in that game the 16th ring Chanticleers up 28 to 25 on the Buffaloes in Buffalo uh, and then let's see other scores here. oh uh, Michigan, number 25 ranked, 63-10 to 10 over Northern Illinois. Number 24, Miami has the ball at the end of the third quarter. They are down 17-14 to Michigan State at home. And then early on, uh, Purdue up 3-0 on number 12, Notre Dame, with their drum sitting outside the stadium because they would not let them pull it inside the stadium. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw Did you guys see that story? I didn't. Uh, they have this huge bass drum, bass drum. It's uh, 500 and some odd pounds. There's only one tunnel at Notre Dame Stadium that the Fighting Irish that they could fit through, mm-hmm. and of course the Notre Dame's like, no, that's for our team and our band, and you're not Good accessing for them. that. Good for them. I, so, I I like that kind of petty. Purdue uh, still took the drum with them. Obviously, it's not a very far drive from uh, West Lafayette to South Bend, and Purdue left it just outside the stadium. You know, I hope that they like left it right outside of that tunnel, and great. then they bang it 
all the time. Just, I would hope so. I would hope like, so. I don't know. I don't know how the. I, I want both sides to be as petty as possible. So there you go, Devin. Scores, updates uh, from around uh, football. We'll keep you updated throughout the rest of this show in the final hour here. But let's get to our audio now, and let's start off on the Utah front. We'll kind of go in chronological order how the games are going to go tonight. The Utes getting ready to take on San Diego State, and. The guy that I am appointing University of Utah football spokesperson going forward here, because he's just so good with the media. So good. And that is junior wide receiver Britton Covey. And he had very good thoughts, obviously, coming off the loss against BYU and how the team is looking to rebound as they go into this game against San Diego State. So here you go. Britton Covey with the media earlier this week. It's so easy to be a leader when things are going great. I don't even know if that is leadership because everybody's kind of leading themselves in that point. So when things are going really hard and things are rough, that leadership is really important. So I've talked with some of the leaders about this. The most important thing that we can do is, um, in my opinion, is take ownership of what you control. It's so easy to put the blame on other things. You know, I'm sure, like, uh, players want to put the blame on coaches. Coaches want to put the blame on players. I mean, if you go on social media, you'll see people calling for Coach Witt's job and and things like that. And it's just so easy to get wrapped up in whose fault it is and things. And and it's all about just taking ownership Um, because that gives... That, I don't know, it brings a sense of freedom to you. It's like, I control this. I don't control a lot of what's outside of me, right? Circle of influence, circle of control. Uh, so for me right now, it's talking to the position group leaders and saying, you need to talk to your position group to take ownership. Because, um, you know, I'm not going to have the biggest effect on the linebacker group, but Devin Lloyd will. I'm not going to have the biggest effect on the DBs, but uh, Vontae Davis will. So I'm going to talk to them and say, let's get together as your groups and take ownership of this. And like I said, somber today, really somber in the facility. You know, we got humbled, um, which I think is good. But man, you don't want that to last for more than a day, in my opinion. I, I just don't think that that's good for a team. You got to get your swagger back. You got to be happy. You got to come to work, you know, excited. And, and so I think that's what I'm going to try and do. <clears throat> Can you relate it to 2019? It was it was a conference game, but it was still early in the year. You lost that first game, and there was a lot of frustration in the post-game interviews and doing, when we were doing all that. And Coach Whittingham said, well, everything is still in front of us. We can win the next game, the next eight games, and you did. Yeah, well, it, anyone that says that you won't lose in life is just lying. You're going to lose. It's not a matter of, you know, if, but it's when. And it's all about just, you know, it's so um, – What's the word? Cliche. It's so cliche, but it all, it's all about how you respond, especially a loss early in the season. A loss in midseason, I don't think is as disappointed as, as a loss early in the season because you go into the season not thinking you're going to lose a single game, right? Such high expectations. You lose one early to your rival, and it's just devastating. But then you realize that doesn't affect a single thing in our conference play. Our goal is still to win the Pac-12 championship, go to the Rose Bowl, things like that. And that's where the leadership comes in, I think. It's very similar to 2019. You saw what that team did, right? Mm -hmm. So it's so easy as a fan. I mean, I know this because I'm a jazz fan, right? It's so easy to overreact to certain (laughs) things and certain games. Um, But you got to simplify things and say, okay, where can we improve? you watch the film and there were certain things where it's just so obvious that okay, that's why it didn't work. It was just one thing. And mm-hmm. so simplifying things, I think that 2019 cast had a great group of leaders. But do you make sure, though, that you tr- don't try to do too much? Like in your case, you know, if the offense is sputtering on Saturday and you get a punt, 
but it doesn't set up for a good return. You got to make sure that you're still doing the right thing. Yes, absolutely. And it's hard to. I think sometimes you want to, you know, I want to take every punt yeah, and not yeah, call yeah. fair catches yeah. and things like that. But that's where it goes back to, okay, you have to trust people who do things that aren't your your position, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's all about taking ownership of your job and trusting the guys in their job. And it's hard to do that. It's kind of like delegating, right? It's really hard to delegate certain things, but it's at the end of the day, the best leaders do that. You talked about being somber, and to a certain degree, that's healthy. Right. But you can't be somber too long. How would you evaluate the duration of the somberness now? And now you still right. got, uh, you know, you got to get get past it. Right. Well, I was telling Jeff, um, everybody, you know, the saying that everybody grieves differently or mourns differently. I think that's true, but for the sake of respecting a lot of the competitors in the building. I think that we make it a rule that everybody has to come in and have that demeanor. Because if I come in and I see two players joking around, I freak out at them. You know, I got mad at a couple younger guys today because they were joking around before the lift. Um, just as a thing of respect to the competitors in the room, that it still just hurts, you know. Uh, but man, you do not want that to carry over, especially early in the season. You can't have that carry over. That's why I said you can't overreact can't have that carry over. I'm going to come in tomorrow and be goofy Brit. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to go in, get in a fight during practice. You know, I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to do, but it just, you got to come in and because we had swagger and you lose it for a weekend, but man, you bring it back and that's up to you. It's, you know, don't rely on someone else to bring it back. Is that swagger easily lost and is it easily to get back? How does that work? It's easily lost. It's difficult to get back. I think just realistically, uh, that's why you need multiple people to do it. And uh, you need your, your leaders to do it. You need Devin Lloyd to come out with that swagger. You need to have a bounce back game where you bring that swagger back. I mean, you see it, I think, every week in college football where <laughs> if we have a great game this weekend, you know, next week, it's just like that comes back. You, you know, it's all about... Yeah, like Stanford did. Uh, yeah, like Stanford. Think of Stanford after last game. I'm sure all their fans were calling for Coach Shaw to be fired or whatever. Like yeah, that. That's yeah. just the reality of sports nowadays. Uh, but now, my best friend Gabe plays for Stanford, and everybody's like, this is our year, right? So that's just kind of how it is. And yeah. you got to roll with the punches, never too high, never too low, and know where your value lies. Know that this team is good. Bring that swagger. and. Yeah. Did, you, did you hear that Clay Hilton got fired? I did hear that. Like maybe I, that opens it up even more in the South in anybody's yeah, game? Well, I mean, that was surprising. I didn't even know that would that could happen that early in the season. I talked to Clay at Pac-12 Media Day. He's a great guy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I have no idea what impact that would, would have on a team. You know, if Coach Witt got fired, that would be a big thing, you know, so early on. So, you know, a feel for him, that's tough. I'm curious, kind of an open-ended question, but what was your biggest takeaway from the game this weekend? Um, whew, I've been so disappointed that it's been hard to take much away until today, I would say. I would say my biggest takeaway is that it's similar to 2019's loss at USC, where it opens our eyes to a couple things that we can do better, that I think we need to do better if we're going to be a great team. And... Uh, We'll see how we implement that this week going into practice. Uh, it, honestly, credit to BYU. They, they were very well prepared. Uh, they played an amazing game. Um, but it just opens our eyes to a few things that I think we need to do better. There you go. Britton Covey, and his perspective is otherworldly.
I mean, it's almost like he had, you know, great family mentors growing up or something like that because the guy just gets it. Grandfather Stephen (laughs) Arco, you know, certain guy that did a certain book that is pretty influential in most people's lives. Right. But uh, very interesting to hear him talk about. By the way, I need to find out from Britton Covey next week if he got in a fight. (laughs) That made me laugh. Really hard, you know. We just imagining little little Britton Covey going out and picking a fight with the biggest dude on the football team because that that is kind of the way that I would see him doing it. Hopefully, it's Vianney Moala. Like, yeah. Well, and I know that you know he came in as a freshman and picked a fight with Gianni Paul. You know, I mean, he's he's not afraid of anybody. (laughs) Um, But you know, the thing that stood out to me though from that was what he was saying about swagger. Sure. Right. You know, the team kind of lost its swagger. Um, and that's something that, you know, I think it's true. And I've heard some people talk, you know, like there are certain losses that a program can go through mm-hmm. where it kills the swagger for a long time. Like, I would say that arguably that 2010 loss to TCU for the Utes, it took them years to recover. It did. Right? I, I like, agree with you on that. You, you could watch them the few years after that, and it was just like, okay, yeah, they're playing well, but like, it's just there's – that attitude is missing. Yeah. Right? And it's possible, you know, I know that a lot of people felt a very similar deflation after the 2019 conference championship game. And so Utah might have spent all of 2020 and even so far into 2021 trying to regain that swagger and just aren't there yet. Um, It's really hard to bring it back, like Britton said. Yeah, no doubt. So we'll see if they can get that corrected. Uh, but I thought it was very interesting, and I think that he's absolutely right with that, where it's it's easily lost and hard to get back. No doubt about that. All right, oh, by the way, one thing here. Uh, UConn, obviously, maybe the worst team in FBS. They trailed the Army 42 to nothing at halftime. They got a touchdown with a minute to play, making the final 52-21, to meaning they covered the 35-point spread. Wow. So... I was shocked when you even said they got into the end zone, let alone three times. Props to you, Huskies. we got to cover that spread. No, Somehow, that's a backdoor cover. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> All right. Uh, time now to get to part two of our audio here. Uh, Aaron Roderick. Very interesting comments from him, especially about his offense. So here you go. BYU Offensive Coordinator Aaron Roderick earlier this week. What do you feel like you learned about your team last week? Um, nothing I... Nothing I didn't already know. Yeah. How do you? Yeah, I already knew. I mean, yeah, nothing I didn't know already. Well, and I, I kind of assumed that'd be the case, but you know, they, they went out and made the plays that they need to. How do you translate into the, facing Arizona State this week? What do you see from them? They're really good. They're similar to Utah athletically. Um, you know, great skill in the back end, big physical front. And it's a big challenge just to stay focused. You know, you got a lot of people telling us how good we are right now, and you gotta gotta manage that and be ready to play again. All right, Sean, go ahead. Yeah, coach. We talked. Uh, we talked the other day to a uh, certain pass catching fullback who. Um, caught a, a pass or two I think the last time BYU played Arizona State if memory serves I think there was a skinny little kid from Bountiful who who returned a couple of punts or something that night um as well on the field 
Uh, just what do you, what do you remember about kind of the last time BYU played ASU playing in that game? And do you see any sort of uh, echoes, I guess, of those previous ASU teams in this one as well? Um, I don't remember that game that well. I, I mean, I know I didn't do anything special in that game personally. I remember we won, and it was a big deal to beat a good team. Um, yeah, I remember Kalani had a catch for 20 or 30 yards. He got tackled. I think he got tackled near the goal line. That Ben Horton, I think, had a long touchdown catch in that game. Um, but don't remember a lot. I just remember we, we pulled out a win over a good team. I, and I don't know what it would have to do with this game other than just uh, anytime you play – you know, teams that have a lot of speed like these guys do, you know, you have your hands full and you got to be ready. Jake, go ahead. Aaron, when you watch Arizona State on the field defensively, he's just a little bit of a scouting report. It seems like their linebackers seem to be the chief strength of that defense. Am I wrong in that assessment? Um, the linebackers are good, but the secondary is – just as good. I mean, that's that there. They got so much skill. The defensive line is big and physical. Um, and then their linebackers are experienced, super athletic. And the, the secondary across the board, they're very skilled. This is this is a big challenge. They're good. I've had some people reach out to me on social media, so I'm going to pass this question on to you. Uh, only one catch for your tight ends through two games. Is there any concern with the lack of production from that unit for you? No, um, not at all. We threw the ball four times to Isaac Rex last game, and, you know, didn't work out. Threw to him a few times a game before, didn't, didn't work out. I mean, he had 12 touchdowns last year, most of them in the red zone, and – this year, people aren't going to just let him get open, you know, easily. He's going to have to work for it. We're going to have to work for it. Um, last game, Utah bracketed down Holker twice on third down. I mean, bracket coverage. And he had no catches in the first game, and they still bracketed him on third down um, with a safety and a corner. So people are going to try to make it hard for our tight ends to get the ball because they know they're good. And so if that's the case, we'll throw it to somebody else. And the, the, the plays will come. It's, it's early. It's two games. Those guys play a big role in our offense, and I'm not concerned about that yet. And, um, you know, sometimes it's they got to they get open, and sometimes it's uh, the defense is dictating that the quarterback has to throw the ball somewhere else. And um, not concerned about that. It's, it'll come. Just a small follow-up to that. When If a player ever comes to you and expresses their concern about their lack of production and you kind of show them, hey, you've been bracketed here, do you kind of point to them, hey, this should be a sign of respect that the team actually fears your ability? Um, I might. It depends on the way they approach me about it. I mean, most guys, I would just tell them, hey, we got a lot of other good players, so if you got complaints, you know, we'll play somebody else. Um that's that's a nice thing about having the depth that we have is we have a lot of good options to throw the ball to. And I don't think you're going to see – you're not going to see – probably not going to see one guy with 12 touchdowns this year. You're not going to see one guy having 150 yards receiving every week. You're going to see different people step up and different people make plays, and that's, that's part of being on a good team is we, we have – got to defend the whole field. 
Um, you know, we're trying to make people defend every blade of grass out there and every, every skill player on the field is a threat. And uh, you never know from week to week what's going to be there. And so, um, but our tight ends will, they're going to they're gonna get their share of touches this year and it's coming. Okay, Jared, go ahead. I know you fans during the game last week were frustrated that the defense wasn't accounting for Jaron Hall's running ability. You know, he had a lot of success running the ball. I'm pretty sure ASU scouted that game and knows what he's capable of. How does that change your approach, you know, knowing that they're going to be scouting that and, and trying to take that away? Um, it won't change for us much. I mean, we, he ran the ball, I think, um, I think, I think he ran the ball nine times and seven of them were called run plays where he has, and none of them were pure call or only one of them was a pure called run just for him. So I guess you'd say we had six play calls where he could hand the ball off or pull it. And that's about right. We don't, we don't need a lot more than that. I think the ones he pulled were big plays. And if we, if you go too deep into that world, then your quarterback's getting beat up. And so we want it to be something that defenses have to respect. And, um, but we don't want to rely on it so much that it becomes a crutch, you know, and, and then he doesn't make it through the season. How would you assess the pass game? Because the yards haven't been over, you know, the, the numbers statistically haven't been huge, but it's been generally pretty efficient. How would you assess that so far? Um, yeah, I'm not worried about the total yards at all. I think that's the most overrated stat in football. Um, we have had, I did talk to our team though. We've had too many long foul balls, you know, where it's just like we, we took our shots in the, in the Utah game, did not land them. We got a, we got a critical PI call uh, in the end zone on a, on a deep post corner route that Samson did a great job drawing the penalty. And we came close on a couple other plays, but coming close doesn't count, you know? So we got to, you know, I, I think that we're just three or four big plays away per game. Uh, our point total is going up, you know, 10 or 20 more points if we just land a few of those shots. And so, um, We'll see. I think I think those plays will come with time. The thing that I'm pleased with about the passing game is Jaron's taking great care of the ball and no sacks. Um, we're, we're protecting our quarterback. We're being smart with the football, and then we're being efficient. We've thrown five touchdown passes in two games. I mean, we're we're getting touchdowns in the passing game. And so, would I like to get some more explosive plays? Yes, but if we can run the football and we take care of it. And we're getting those touchdown passes in the part of the field where it's tough sledding. You know, it's not always easy to run it, run it in. Then we're going to win a lot of games. And so we'll keep working at it. And then the other thing just that's important to recognize is this is, you know, Jaron's second start this year, fourth start of his career. So he's played basically three full games in his football career, college football career. And it's I think it's fair to expect him to – just get a little better each game and see the game a little better and be a little more accurate. And as, as that progress continues, we'll, we'll be a little more aggressive. Okay. Alex, last question. Uh, Coach, after this last game against Utah, you guys had several, um, your game plan seemed fairly efficient with long play drives. I mean, you guys had a drive of like a 93 yard drive as well as one that got over, 
basically seven minutes of game time off the clock um, without revealing too much. What are you guys looking to, how can you guys replicate that same success against Arizona state? Um, yeah, different games, different opponents. I mean, in that Utah game that you can't beat the Utes with finesse. Uh, I, I coached there for 12 years. I saw it over and over teams try to run the ball. Utah stops the run. They make you one dimensional. The other team reverts to the pass. Then the pass rush gets going, and that's when the turnover fest starts. The hits on the quarterback, the fumbles, the interceptions, and that's how they, that's been their formula to win forever. And so we, we knew as a team going into that game that we were not going to fall into that trap. And we were going to run the ball for four quarters if that's what it took and uh, stick with it. We weren't going to abandon what we were doing. We believed in our plan. We knew the game might be a grinder, you know, might be a score in the 20s or something like that, and we were okay with that. We just just got to win by one more than the other team, and so it worked. Um, that's not the same plan we want to play every single week. You know, we, we want to be a team that's aggressive, and we want to be a team that's balanced, and, you know, that's what we'll set out to do against most teams. It just it depends on the opponent, and so – that was our formula for beating Utah. It might not be the opponent, the formula for winning uh, other games. There you go, Aaron Roderick, BYU offensive coordinator, speaking to the media. That's a very interesting point. There, it's like, yeah, game plans aren't all built the same. You heard, essentially heard him say, "Hey, I knew what Utah was going to try and do. Yeah, I had a plan to counteract it, and we did it." Yep. Yeah, and Roderick, to his credit, he called a brilliant game in the rivalry game last week Mm -hmm. you know yeah just brilliant game I think the other thing that stood out to me from his comments there uh, I loved when he said I don't really care about total yards it's the most overrated stat yeah because he's absolutely right you know we've seen games where teams will move the ball right down into the red zone with ease, and then sputter out and not score points, and they lose the game. Have you met though. BYU from 2019? Yeah. <laughs> they were, well, both teams in the state have had that I, problem where they have tons of total yards oh, yeah. and very few points to show for The 2019 it. BYU team, between the 20s, brilliant. Inside the 20s, awful. Yep. Awful. So, yeah, I, I do love that because, I mean, it's, it's not uncommon to see the team with the fewer total yards have the higher total score, and that's the stat that matters. Yeah, very interesting. You're right. He, uh, Jaron Hall, 149 yards and three touchdowns. You'll take that all day over a 300-yard oh, yeah. game and a loss. So, yeah. All right. A little over time here. We'll come back on the other side, get to five minutes of, get to Saki, get to our pigskin pickums, and we'll wrap up the show after that. This is The Saturday Show. Let's go live. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. Weekend. You're locked on to The Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to The Saturday Show here on The Zone Sports Network, carrying you through your Saturday afternoon. This is the pre-pre-game show, as we call ourselves, with Yawk and Lundy. Hope you all are doing great out there. And it's time for five minutes of Lundy, where we cover some of the other topics we haven't had a chance to touch on. And one of the hallmarks of this is what we call Saki, a little mashup of soccer and hockey. So hit it, Jeff.
sliding it through to Rusnak. Here's a run from Rubin, a left foot. His second goal of the match, putting the earthquakes down in the 81st minute. 16-6, here in period two. Here comes Goodrow, top winding down. The pass it to Sullivan, one-time cross into the back post. Somehow, some way, Carly Lloyd completes the hat trick. Nice open there. Talk about Saki. So let's start off on the hockey front here. Lundy, what do you have this week? So it's pretty small. Okay. You know, really quick, but you know, as you know, hopefully a lot of people saw the news that, you know, in, in the offseason, towards the end of last season, ESPN signed a pretty major deal with the NHL, NHL um, just kind of as a refresher. Um, the details of that deal, ESPN, ESPN Plus, Hulu and ABC will feature 103 exclusive broadcasts during the regular season. Nice. As well as more than a thousand out of market games will be available on ESPN Plus. Wow. OK. So a lot of of visibility and availability for people who have that. Thankfully, I do, and I'm really excited to be able to watch my Oilers through that. Um, the new season with all the ESPN stuff begins October 12th uh, with a doubleheader. The okay. season opens with the Pittsburgh Penguins playing the defending Stanley Cup champions, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, and then that will be followed on ESPN by the Kraken at the Vegas Golden Knights, the first All right. first game for Seattle. Sweet. Uh, playing on the road there uh, at, at 10 p.m. Eastern time, so 8 p.m. locally. Okay. Um, I'm going to stay up and watch that one. So, obviously. yeah, they'll, they'll be playing that. Their first home game, October 23rd against Vancouver, will be on ESPN Plus and Hulu. Okay, very cool. I have a very bad habit of picking West Coast teams as my team, and obviously I do early morning sports radio, so <laughs> watching them play like the Seattle Mariners, yeah, I see maybe like five games a year because it's just so late and I have to, you know, wake up at very early hours. So mm-hmm. I need to pick a team in the Eastern time zone or something like that, give myself more of a chance. <laughs> you know, being a Cincinnati Reds fan, that pays off. Like it's, it, it you know, I'm rarely up late watching. I mean, sometimes, you know, if they sure. travel to play one of the West Coast teams yeah. and things like that. But the trade-off is that it's, you know, it's the Cincinnati Reds and they break my heart every year. Well, they're in the they're in the wild card race right now. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Uh, yeah. All right. On the soccer front, uh, I don't know how many people watch this match Wednesday night in San Jose, but Real Salt Lake prevails 4-3 in a match that was absolutely bonkers. Jeff, I assume you had a chance to watch this. Um, I was multitasking. I didn't watch it, but I did keep updates, watch the highlights. It was, it was nuts. It was it was back and forth. And the one thing that I really liked was the fight, the fight for Real Salt Lake to keep coming back, keep coming back. Yeah. Um, it was a little frustrating that after they scored their second goal, literally, I think a minute, maybe less than a minute later, Chofi's out there wrecking fools, pretty much ended Donnie Toy's career, breaking his ankles. Well, Chofi had a hat trick. He had all three goals for San Jose in the loss. So absolutely nuts. This is a match that had a faux red card that was rescinded and given a yellow card. It's the carnage that was going on. It, that was a match that if you were to watch, you'd be like, what in the world is going on here? Well, and I started to think that, and maybe it's just because, you know, I had just finished talking about hockey, but uh-huh. when Jeff said, you know, and I liked seeing the fight 
I was like, there was a fight in this game? Okay, soccer like, fights but, and hockey fights are yeah, very and, opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, maybe, maybe poor yeah. phrasing on my you, end. You clarified, you know, it was like the fight from Real Salt Lake, and it was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. But, you know, because... Let's put it this way. This a, is a, a sport. Fight in soccer is yeah. just rare. A fight in soccer, you can you put a hand on a guy's throat, you're thrown out of a soccer match. Yeah. In hockey, until a guy goes to the ice after multiple punches to the head, that fight ain't over. Well, and the thing is... It's a five-minute penalty. You get five for fighting, which is why the band got that name. Like they're they're hockey fans, that's why that popular '90s band picked that name. I didn't actually know that. Yeah, five for fighting. Five for fighting. That's 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 the penalty. Nope. You punch a dude in the face repeatedly. (laughs) You have to sit out for five minutes of an hour-long game. You can come back in. Awesome. We're good. All right, so yeah, just very opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to these <laughs> sports. There's no doubt about it. All right, now time for our pick'em segment. I uh, get our picks. Uh, last week, uh, for counting Eric's picks, all of us went three and four, so not a great week across the board. Uh, that would leave us all tied after two weeks of picks here at nine and six a pop. But do we give Jeff an extra pick because he had the audacity to pick the Cougars over the Utes? You know, I went four for seven. It it it's it's not. Like it, yeah. That's it's something that can't be thrown out or disregarded because he was the only person to pick it, and he was right. We're gonna and give it, it to and him. it seemed, it seemed very like all of us were kind of like, okay, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, the producers and are now so. ten and five. If that's the case, okay. You and I are both nine and six in second place. All right. All right so let's get to our picks here. Uh, we have seven games we're picking, uh, three of them in the NFL, four of them in college football. We'll start off with this one. Top 25 showdown in college football. Number 22, Auburn, traveling to State College, the whiteout at Penn State. Where are you guys going with this one? Go ahead, Lundy. I'm taking Penn State at okay. home. Um, I think they're going to, you know, that whiteout, it's a crazy environment. It is. It's great. I think that they're going to hang on to that top 10, uh, despite the weird upset vibes that we talked about earlier. All right, Jeff, producer pick. All right, uh, we'll see how much Eric doesn't like me this week, but you did talk about sabotage, so we'll see. Uh, I'm actually going with Auburn for no other reason than I'm just picking the upset. All right, well, it'd be an interesting one. Auburn would be a huge win for Brian Harson and his team to go up there to State College and win it. I'm with you, Lundy, though. I think Penn State, that wideout, gives them some kind of super power, it feels like. I'm going to take the Nittany Lions in that one. So, All right, on to the local teams. Utah, San Diego State. Lundy, where are you going? I'm taking the Utes. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to take uh, the undercover on this. All right. So they're going to, you know, they're going to cover the spread, but it's definitely staying under the, I think it's what, over under is 44 and a half? Something like that, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty low. They're staying under. All right, Jeff. I think it all depends how they respond. If they're just going to still be feeling a little bit low after what happened with BYU, or if they're feeling re-energized, um, I'm feeling low, and so I'm thinking SDSU is going to is going to take it. Wow, that's a pick right there. I got the Utes. I think they're going to bounce back in emphatic fashion tonight. I don't think it's even going to be close. But Jeff did pick the Cougars last week against it's true. All. All right. All right. Next one up, Utah State Air Force. Where are you guys going, Lundy? I've got a good feeling about the Aggies. I'm, I'm going Utah State. All right. Jeff? I'm going to get never allowed to pick again after this. I'm going Air Force uh, kind of based a little bit on what you talked about earlier in the earlier in the show about them being strong uh, start of the season. Well, I'm actually with you on that. I'm taking the cadets in this one. I, I think that Air Force is going to spring one on Utah State here, and they're going to drop to 2-1 and one on the season. 
but we'll see how things shake out in that regard. All right, the final local team in action here. By the way, there are some FCS games, by the way. Weber State hosting James Madison. Ooh, huge game Ooh. in the FCS ranks. Like, they've played some absolutely epic games in the FCS playoffs. So that should be a fun one. If you're looking for a game that's maybe kind of you don't want to go travel down to Provo, get up to Ogden. Yeah, that's, that's going to be, you know, that's, that's as good as you can ask for from that level. And, you know, better than a lot of people would expect. Yeah, that's absolutely. Great. So that should be a fun game. Uh, we're not going to pick that one. We're going to pick number 19, Arizona State in Provo. I had number 23, BYU. Lundy, where are you going? Man, in my head, I go back and forth on this one. But I'm going to I'm gonna say the Cougars keep it rolling. I think they go to 3-0. and okay. I think they come out with a lot of juice, a lot of energy, and a lot of swagger. All right, Jeff. Uh, I'm going the same thing as Lundy. Uh, Cougars with a win. I think it's going to be a much tougher game this week, but kind of like Alex was saying, they got the juice, they're going to roll. Uh, I think BYU's got a lot of confidence behind him right now. I'm going with the Cougars as well. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, you know what? Let's add it. Weber State, JMU, where are you guys going? Uh, um, that's... You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the homer pick. I'm gonna say Weber State, Jay Hill, and the, and the Wildcats get it done. Okay, Jeff, Weber State, Weber State, great, great, great. I'm going with the Wildcats. I think JMU is coming into a hornet's nest when they come to uh, Ogden, and I think we're all gonna go with Weber State here. We'll see if we're uh, correct. Weber State number nine. Big question mark about Bronson Barron at quarterback. We'll see how that shakes out. JMU is ranked number three in the country. A very, very formidable opponent. Maybe the biggest home game in Weber State history, by the way. But you know what? We're all homers. We're all taking the Wildcats here. (laughs) All right, flipping over to the NFL. Uh, Three games here in the NFL we're going to pick. First one, Raiders-Steelers. And you will hear it right here on The Zone tomorrow morning. 11 a.m. kick. Yeah, so we'll be here tomorrow morning. Lundy? Um... I'm going to take the Steelers. Oh, all right. Big Ben and the Steelers. Okay. Jeff? I'm going to go Raiders. I think they're going to feel a little bit a little bit of something after last week. Well, the Raiders are feeling a little something because they are beat up. They lost two guys to season-ending injuries. Gerald McCoy among them, one of their starting guards, also lost for the year to an ACL tear. I think the Raiders are too beat up as they travel across the country. Give me Pittsburgh, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close. All right, next one up. Zach Wilson's home debut, Patriots, Jets. Lundy, your pick. I'm taking the Pats. Uh, Bill Belichick is, you know, an established name, mm-hmm. obviously. And the Jets are the Jets. Like, Zach Wilson is, he, you know, he's shown that he's good, but it's the Jets. Like, he, you know, he, he might be good, but he doesn't have a team built around him. So give me the Pats. All right, Jeff. Similar to what Alex says, um, I think – Zach might play well, and Corey Davis also strong, but I don't think they have enough around them to overcome Belichick's system. And Mac Jones, I feel like, had a silently good game mm-hmm. against the Dolphins. These are two guys lost. in the first round facing off against one another. So I have the Pats as well. Yeah, give me the better defense, Patriots. I, I think that's pretty clear. All right, and then finally, Sunday night football, Chiefs, Ravens. Where are you going, Lundy? Chiefs. Chiefs, no Kansas, City, yeah. Kansas City. All right, Jeff? Chiefs as well. I don't think it's as obvious as we thought it might be. Just with last week against the Browns, they pulled off the win, but it was it was very tight, and we were just like, "Oh, Chiefs, no duh." Um, so I think I think it'll be a decent matchup, but yeah, still Chiefs. 
Uh, just to be the contrarian here, I'm actually going to pick Baltimore. I think they're pretty fired up from that Monday night loss. They're playing at home. I know they're beat up. They, they're like taking the 49ers like role of being the most beat up team in the NFL. I just think they got something going here in Baltimore, and I think they're going to spring an upset tomorrow night. All right, so there you go. Our picks for this week. We'll see how we did next week. We'll do these picks throughout the season. Coming up next, though, we put a bow on today's show. This is the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday Show, wrapping things up here on this edition. It's been a fun show. I've kind of flew by, in all honesty. But gentlemen... Got a great question for you guys to send us out on here. Uh, are you guys fans of hamburgers, by and large? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so it's at National Cheeseburger Day today. Oh, man. So. Know what I'm doing after this. Yeah, what goes on your cheeseburger? Cheese. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Lundy. Thank you. What else? What else? What, what do you guys prefer on your cheeseburgers? Um... You know, like a lot of the time I go pretty simple, you know, just kind of a little bit of lettuce, not not a ton. You know, most places I feel like put too much on there. Okay. You just get a little bit in there just for the right kind of texture, tomato, pickle, ketchup, mustard, you know, that's that's kind of the typical normal Pretty structure. straightforward then. If okay. I'm getting really fancy, you know, my family, we kind of created a, a strange concoction called the Lundy Burger that we used to tailgate with. All right. And, uh. Then it gets a lot more complex. So Okay, fair enough. All right. Jeff? I like any burger, but since Lundy went simple, I'll go extreme. Um, I mean, I like cheese, pretty much any kind of cheese except for provolone and Swiss. Um, but American's right. good, Pepper Jack's good, Cheddar's good. Um, I like blue cheese, so if you put some blue cheese crumbles on there, as well as like a slice of American, All right. and that's good. Mm-hmm. Um I like ketchup and or barbecue sauce, both good. Uh, sautéed onions, sautéed mushrooms. Um, I like bacon, but I hate biting into a burger and then like pulling the bacon strip out. So okay, like I have conflicting feelings about bacon. Get, on get a be a little crispier, is yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, gotta gotta get that. Gotta um, be a little more firm in there. To, yeah. yeah, and then I would also like to say this isn't a specific ingredient, but. The messier the burger, the better. Like if you load that thing up and things are falling agree. out and everything, then I'm I'm absolutely here for it. And that's where our good friend Clint Peterson comes in because it was something I was going to mention, and Clint apparently has the same mindset I do. He just tweeted this at me: a fried egg. Ooh. If you guys have not had a fried egg on a burger, mm-hmm. you're missing out. Funny enough, there's a combo I've been meaning to try. Actually, my buddy recommended this to me: fried egg and chili on a cheeseburger. Ooh. It seemed really intriguing to me because there's a lot of things out there. Like you can go to Wiener Schnitzel and get a chili burger. We said fried egg with it, and you talk about wanting a messy burger, get a fried egg. Oh yeah, egg. that that egg gets everywhere. I've so, done that; it gets everywhere. Yeah, so it's beautiful. That's something that I would recommend. But I like your guys' suggestions. That may be something that to do after the show today. So, thank you to everybody for tuning in today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Lundy, any final thoughts, shots, or parting shots, wisdom, whatever you got for us? Uh, I never have wisdom. Um, okay. But you know. College football. I just it another great weekend for it and I'm excited to see what happens. 
All right. Well, go enjoy a cheeseburger, everybody. Hope you guys are all doing great. Uh, we will be back on the air shortly, obviously. We have plenty going on this afternoon. Myself, I'm headed to JCW's, where I'm going to have a cheeseburger tonight. I can tell you that much. Have one for me as well. I will do that. And we'll have a Cougar pregame show at 6. A Utah pregame show is at 4. Utah State pregame show at 4.30. Got you covered top to bottom all night long right here on the Zone Sports Network. See you.